Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast. GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. And over the next hour or so, we'll, we'll dig into Kansas State's game Friday night. That's right. I said Friday night at Oklahoma State. The game kicks off at 6.30 p.m. as the two teams are part of the new television moves by Brett Yormark's Big 12 to move into midweek games or earlier than Saturday games so that they can get some more exposure. And this game is on ESPN, so the nation could be watching. Can Kansas State come anywhere close to replicating last year's 48 to nothing victory in Manhattan where Oklahoma State just literally fell apart? And honestly, it hasn't looked like Oklahoma State's been the same since. Can they bounce back from that and find a way to win this game? Well, I don't know if Oklahoma State's got that in the tank. K-State's 3-1 and one with that loss at Missouri with that last second field goal. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State is 2-2 two and two after winning at, uh, against Central Arkansas and at Arizona State, two really not very good programs. They've now lost to South Alabama in Stillwater, 33-7, to seven, and also they lost last week or two weeks ago, on the road at Iowa State by seven points. This is a huge game for both programs. Kansas State needs to assert itself and just kind of move on down the road. Next up would be a game at Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State is in desperate, desperate need of a win, and they might pull out all the stops after having an off week like K-State did. Maybe Oklahoma State put in some wrinkles here that might give the Kansas State Wildcats a few issues. We're going to find out. And over the next hour, we will talk to the former Kansas State offensive lineman, Brian Hanley, who will get into the two programs a little bit. We're going to discuss where these programs are at. And I see Brian's waiting in the queue here to come on here in just a few seconds. Also, of course, we'll have Ryan Wallace. And we'll dig into the Cowboys with Wally. He does a great job of breaking down opponents. And he'll have the ins and outs of what's going wrong and right for Oklahoma State and how they fit against Kansas State in this matchup. Then we close up shop with Ryan Gilbert from our Go Power Cat staff to talk about the betting lines around the conference. And, of course, um, we're going to add one other team in there that is tied to K-State for the rest of the season. You'll find out. And, again, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And there he is, as I mentioned, he's waiting for me. So now let's get to the former K-State offensive lineman on those 97 and 98 teams, 
from his studio in Frisco, Texas, where he does his own content creation across platforms, just as we do, Mr. Brian Hanley. The former Kansas State offensive lineman joins us on the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Mr. Hanley, I can't explain Oklahoma State's sudden, I don't want to say demise because they could beat K-State, uh, sudden uh, troubles, issues. Ever since that 48 to nothing beat down in Manhattan, this has not been the same Oklahoma State program, by not even close to it. And I can't explain how one game seemingly did this to O-State, exposed all of their flaws, and everyone's doing it now. Beat Man, I... I have no idea what is going on there. Um, and, and you're right. It seems like one game turned it all around. I mean, I can't remember what they were ranked last year, but I want to say it was like eight or nine in the country coming off a good win. And then the next thing you know, it is just gone downhill and not at a, a slope. I mean, just falling off a cliff. So I, I'm just not sure what's going on there. Um, Either way, it's like you said, if K-State doesn't come to play, yeah, Oklahoma State could figure out a way to beat them, uh, to beat us. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Oklahoma State, I, I can't figure it out. I really can't put my finger on it. You know, Mike Gundy's kind of resistant of the NIL. Um, and I, I sense it's not only about uh, the fact that the players aren't getting what they feel to feel, feel to be fair compensation. Uh, I feel like uh, it's showing that he's out of touch and that he just doesn't understand um, where they're coming from at this point. And I think it's just, it's rotting. It's decaying his locker room to the point where these guys just don't want to play as hard as they, they could or should. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of that is the case. Look, it doesn't seem like he wants to embrace kids being empowered a little yeah. bit. Yep. Um, and, and that's part of the problem here is he doesn't, it doesn't mean that you can't be a head coach. Look, the national football league forever guys made more than the head coach, but right. that didn't mean the head coach wasn't able to coach them. And it doesn't see, it seems like Gundy on the other hand, I want to be the only person making the most money. And look, these kids are going to be making more than him. Let's keep it real. They're not going to be making more money than him. I mean, come on now. What are we talking about here? But at the bottom line, yeah, just because they're making some money, that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be the coach. And I think he wants to have his thumb so hard on these kids. It, it's look, times have changed, man. Well, for better or worse, wherever we think about it, they have changed and he's just got to change with it. He's he's aged incredibly. It seems like yesterday he was a man in 40 and now <laughs> 16, 17 years later, he's the angry old man shouting yeah. about how the world has changed. Uh, I, I want to thank him as a guy that's older than him uh, for for taking on that mantle. So I don't <laughs> have to like you got to adjust to the times. And <clears throat> I, I think we all feared uh, that was going to happen in Manhattan. You know, fortunately, coach for him got out before all this NIL, the transfer portal. My God, he would have hated all this stuff. Yes. And and yes. He, I think he would have gone along with it in some ways, but also just been grumpy about it. Right. Right. And, and you can't be grumpy about it because yeah. kids can pick up on that and they don't want to be a part of that. That's, That's the whole right. thing. That's right. It's it come becomes more than just I don't like the NIL. It's it. The players here. I don't want you to have stuff. I don't, yes. I don't want you 
to have any more power or income. It, it, it bugs me, <clears throat> but so be it. That's just the way it is. Let's get to the Oklahoma State on the field. They're 99th in total offense. They're 69th in total defense. Um, and I actually, I'm su- surprised they're that high in offense uh, because they've put up point totals this year of 27, 27, 7, and 27. Yeah. They seem to have a limit at 27. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, our, Central Arkansas is bad, but uh, losing to South Alabama 33-7 to 7 at home, I think sent a message to the fan base that this is broken. Uh, yes. But with all of that said, He's a good coach. He's got some talent on this team. He had an off week, and we don't know what their goals in that off week were. We don't know how they went about it. Maybe they put in a bunch of stuff just to try to catch K-State off guard. Maybe they put in a bunch of stuff to make the game more fun for the players. I don't know. But if he can resurrect them to beat Kansas State, it redefines everything I just said. Uh, But he's going to have to embrace the NIL. But at some point... Uh, you just need your players to buy in a little bit more and they can win some games in what is an incredibly soft Big 12. And unfortunately for Oklahoma State fans, they might be the softest of all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just what you said. They still have talent. Uh, he's still a good coach. They put in some stuff. that The whole thing might be, look, maybe he's playing up on K-State had turned our season around last year the way that they beat us. And he, that's his whole mantra into the bye week and this upcoming week that maybe that was the whole mantra who knows i just know that you can't overlook oklahoma state at oklahoma state you just can't do that regardless of what the record is regardless of how they played it would be an ultra mistake for any k-state fan or player coach anybody associated to overlook this football game k-state hasn't won there in a while i, I meant to look it up i didn't i'll I'll get it before I have Wally on, but I am. It's a tough place to play, but they have one down there. Um, but it's a, an incredible college football environment. One of my mm-hmm. favorite environments, but maybe is outside of Bill Snyder family stadium, my favorite environment in the big 12. They're great fans. It's so comparable to Kansas state in so many ways. Um, it, it almost as a K state, it almost pains me to watch another ag school. That's had a football tradition going go all of a sudden experience this because we've been through it. We saw what yeah. happened in 04 and 05 and, and the misery that comes with it because it's just like part of your culture evaporated. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. We saw it. Uh, and again, coming off the highest of highs, <clears throat> and it, it's a slippery slope, man. It is a slippery slope. And you got to continue doing the things that made you successful. Look, college sports these days is totally different than what it was 15, 20 years ago. You have to continue doing the things necessary, especially at programs like Kansas State and Oklahoma State. You know, right. we don't have, you know, $20 billion donors out there that are just waiting to get in, you know, just get just begging to give money. That's that's not what's at stake here. Even though they had T Boone Pickens, even then there's a limit to what you can do, you know. So I, I just it's it, it's sad to see. Um, I, I'll be honest, and not that I'm I'm wishing anything Oklahoma State to to be great or anything like that, but I know they have a good program, and to see it slide like this is silly to me. I don't think it's necessary to be honest. Yeah, as I look to the <clears throat> excuse me, as I look to the future of the Big Twelve, um, I kind of can see Kansas State, Oklahoma State, 
Utah, BYU, UCF. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Maybe TCU uh, being the, the the cream of the crop, the t- the teams that will consistently be near the top. You know, absolutely, right. will a Kansas or Cincinnati pop up in there, or Baylor pop up in there? That'll happen. But I feel like over the long run, um, that's who's going to emerge in this conference. With that said, I also feel like what's happening with Oklahoma State kind of damages the conference. It, yeah. You know, it, it, the reputation as we move into this uh, post-UTOU phase of this conference when they go to 16 schools, a lot of national media was pointing to Oklahoma State as going to be the, the program. I didn't agree with that necessarily. But now those same people can say, well, the Big 12 really stinks because Oklahoma State was supposed to be the program. I mean, what is happening in the Big 12 right now is absolutely the worst thing that could have happened to the conference right now. Texas and OU are kind of separating themselves as being the best two teams, even though over the last five years that has not been the case, but perception is reality. They're Mm -hmm. leaving. They're going to the SEC. And see, I told you, those were the only two good teams in the conference. And the conference being bad this year. And it's, I mean, it's bad. It really is bad, and it's a shame. However, we're still early. There's mm-hmm. still an opportunity for for some teams, Kansas State being one of them, to take the mantle and and and, and just take the flagship, stick it in the ground, and said, "No, we're not as bad as what you think. We still have good programs here. There's an opportunity here for it to happen." Look, the, over the first five, six weeks, whatever you want to say, it hasn't been good. It just hasn't no. been good. But there's a lot of football left to be played. A lot of football left to be played. And a lot of things can change. A lot of things can change. Hopefully it does. It just it hopefully it does. And again, if Oklahoma State is taking a dive, that just gives the opportunity for somebody else to, to step up. Number one lesson of football for me is if you're bad at quarterback, you're, <laughs> you're, you're lucky to be good as a team. Um, and they're bad at quarterback. Alan Bowman, the former Texas Tech player, uh, is now settled in as the number one. You've mentioned it over and over. They had a game where they played Bowman, Gunnar Gundy, and Garrett Rangel all in the same game. Uh, for what purpose? Because they're all bad. I mean, that's really what it came down to. Uh, you, you can't lose your quarterback position. You just no. can't. It happens with injuries, but this was roster management. This yes. is... This falls on the head coach, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how Sanders, why he transferred, what the story. I don't know. I'm sure people do know the story, but why he left to go be the backup at Ole Miss and and leave Oklahoma State where he had so much success. There's got to be a story behind all of that. And you're right. It is strictly roster management. But you can't tell me Oklahoma State can't find a quarterback. They've been able to have a quarterback for as long as I can remember, they've always had one. And here we are, and they don't have one. I mean, that's 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 all on coaching, all of it. And what's weird is when you mention the history of quarterbacks, one of them was Mike Gundy. Yes. You would think he would get it, that you can't be bad at this position. And I don't want to think that he's trying to just clear the field for Gunner, his son, to be the quarterback. <clears throat> because he's awful. Yeah, he was awful in Manhattan last year. He just... Yep. If, if that's the best you got, coach, you know, I don't know. I don't want to tell them what to do with their program, but 
boy, it's it's not good. They they don't seem to have the same punch in it, anything in their offense. They just uh, look putting up twenty seven points a game is pretty pedestrian in college football, and you've done it three times this season yeah. against opponents that you should be scoring more than that. And, and last week against Iowa State in that pillow fight, it was thirty four twenty seven, and actually turned out to be more entertaining than what we expected. But um, Oklahoma State lost again. They yeah. this, man, you lose your culture of winning. It it evaporated on them. It's just is gone. And a lot of it is the top players are saying, you know what? I'm Spencer Sanders. I mean, I can make more money as the backup at Ole Miss. Maybe I can win the job than uh, I can at Oklahoma state. And I may not hate my coach because that apparently was going on. It's just, it makes me sad yeah. to be honest, to watch this happen. It does. Um, it's, and a lot of people are going to say, that it's NIL's fault. It's the transfer portal's fault. And a lot of people are going to point to that yeah. and blame it all on that and say it is killing the culture of college football. Well, you know what? From the beginning of time, things have changed. Right. And people have adapted to it. And guess what? The world didn't stop. Nope. Things got better. It, it, people just hate change. But once you get past it, you know what? It's not so bad. So the culture of college football, there is nothing happening with the culture of college football. Look, you can say that, you know, it's all about money and they blame kids for chasing money. Universities have been chasing money forever. How do you think that all these teams are moving conferences? What do you think that's for? It's strictly for money. And I go, so you can't be mad at kids for wanting to chase money when the schools that they are going to are doing the exact same thing so the hypocrisy is sometimes crazy but you're right Oklahoma State they just got to figure it out I will say this because you know I knew some people that knew T Boone Pickens if he were still alive God rest his soul I don't think this is happening I I'll no. be flat out honest with you I don't think this is how I don't think he would allow it to happen now, I'm not saying other people whatever I'm just saying him as a man as competitive as he was because I remember when he came in and gave all that money initially, he was like, we are going to build a winner. And they did. And I go, I just don't believe that he would allow what's going on right now. I don't think he would allow it to happen at Oklahoma State. What's incredible is in the current environment, if T Boone was alive, he could set up his own NIL collective. Yes. It wouldn't be a collective because it would just be his Correct. money <laughs> and, and buy a roster. Yep. Um, and I get the sense that Gundy would resist that, but he wouldn't be able to with T Boone. With T Boone gone, he, he can kind of do his own thing. That's exactly uh, right. I've known Chad Weiberg, the AD, a long time. If they get blown out Friday night uh, by Kansas State, there's going to be a full fledged revolt against Gundy. It's already started. Right. Um, and I, I don't see Chad as making a move after one bad season, but. This season might be so bad, and and the under undercurrent underlying issues with the program might be impossible to ignore. Um, I I hope it doesn't happen, but uh, it could. Do you think they make a coaching change if this thing falls apart by the season's end? Well, here's the thing, Fitz. How many times has he flirted with another job? I mean, that's the one thing. It's this is not like okay, well, he's just coached here and. This, I mean, he all but took the Tennessee job. He right. all but took the Tennessee job. And then all of a sudden, you get a little bit more money. Okay, I'll stay. People get tired of that after a while. Because the, the question is, do you really want to be here? Right. That's what people start questioning. Is it just about money? 
And, and, you know, a lot of things revolve around money. Let's not kid ourselves. But then if you're not as good, then it's easy for people to turn on you because right. it's, hey, man, how many times you flirted with taking another job? Oh, now we're not any good. Well, get out of here. Uh, I don't I don't know if they will actually do it. I, I would think it's going to depend on how bad the season gets. Right. Look, like I said earlier, there's a lot of football still to be played. It can be turned around. Like I said, K-State cannot overlook this game because if they do, this could be the whole thing that turns Oklahoma State's season uh, and program completely around. If we go in and handle our business, it is what it is. But if the season ends horribly, then I, I think they just might because at some point you have to say, we know he's not going to change. It's not going to get any better. How do we get better? Yep, you're exactly right. Here's Oklahoma State's schedule after – they play Kansas State on Friday night. They play host to Kansas next Saturday at 2.30 um, on the Big 12 network. It's also known as FS1. Uh, <laughs> it should just change FS1 to the Big 12 network because that seems to be the only channel carrying Big 12 football right now. Uh, at West Virginia, Cincinnati and Oklahoma come to Stillwater. They go to UCF. They go to Houston. They have BYU coming in. They still have the Big 12 championship on their schedule on their notes. I think they could probably take that off. <laughs> I just – you look at that schedule, Fitz, Houston, and then where? I mean, if you just if – if we're being honest, you look at that schedule, and at the beginning of the year, it's so weird because at the beginning of the year, it was like Oklahoma State could be the best or the worst 8-4 and four team out there. Right. Because you looked at the schedule and you yep. thought, you know what? They're going to be better than these other teams. Well, now here we are at their bye week, and it's like, okay, well, maybe they could win one more game, possibly two. Awesome. And it's unbelievable how things change, man. That's why I love college football, though. I know. I know. You got <laughs> you to tend to your garden or the weeds pop up, and they yes. got some weeds in Stillwater. His name's Brian Hanley. You can see his handle right there on the screen, Big B Sports Talk. Go check him out across all social media platforms and his YouTube channel. Please go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Big B, you're doing some great content out there. I appreciate you continuing to be part of this show and the Insiders on Monday. Absolutely, man. I wouldn't have it any other way. I appreciate you having me. You bet. We're going to take our first break of the show right now. On the other side, Ryan Wallace awaits with a more in-depth breakdown of Friday night's opponent for the Kansas State Wildcats, the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Stillwater, and we will be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pregame Podcast. One segment down with Brian Hanley. We got deep into the state of the programs, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Now, Mr. Brian Wallace from our Go Power Cat staff joins us to kind of dig into these Cowboys who 
seemed to be in dire straits. Maybe has different opinions, but a lot is going wrong on the field as well as off for the Cowboys. And we're going to dig into all that in just a moment. But remember, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive specialists at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCap pregame podcast. Welcome, Wally. I appreciate you doing this. Um, give me your overall thoughts on what's going on at Oklahoma State. Well, uh, let me put it, I'll put, I'll put it this way, uh, kind of twofold. Um, I think in a nutshell, and, and we'll get into the more of the team, you know, dynamics as we yeah. move forward, but in a nutshell, offensively fits. There's a lot of stuff that I like. Uh, I like Ollie Gordon as a running back. I like him even more when you combine him with Jaden Nixon's versatility and and speed, the backup tailback. Uh, Stribling and Bray are two receivers that I would take on K-State's roster tomorrow, if you ask me. And I believe in Charlie Dickey as an offensive line teacher. I don't know if he's got the parts that he prefers right now, but we saw what he did at Kansas State. I got a lot of faith in him as a teacher. Defensively, in the secondary, Kendall Daniels has lived up to his recruiting hype. I think he's a, a still a really good player for them on the back half. At linebacker, Xavier Benson is solid, and Nick Martin is having a breakthrough season for them. And then Colin Oliver up front when he's used properly, not as a linebacker, but as a pure defensive end pass rusher, is you know a, a, a near the top of this league in terms of just purely p- rushing the passer. But offensively, the quarterback play stinks fits it's terrible and then on defense you know you're working in an entirely new scheme with a defensive coordinator that was brought in to you know put in and uh and influence this 335 makeover and he's having to do so with a really inexperienced and young secondary that you can tell is still trying to get their feet under them so from that perspective you know if you want to go that route and kind of come up with some excuses if you will on why they're faltering that's what I would say. But also then I know you're kind of in a camp of maybe Mike Gundy's just kind of losing a little bit of, of a, his stranglehold on the program. Maybe yeah. the guys aren't believing in him. Maybe the fans have lost some belief in him too, Fitz. Yeah, I, I think they are. And this game could go a long ways, either in a positive or a negative direction for Oklahoma State football. If they get smoked again. It's not going to be 48 to nothing. But if they lose by three touchdowns, ugh, it's going to get ugly down there. But after an off week, Wally, they can win this. I mean, you yeah. know, who knows what they put in? Who knows how they prepared? Maybe they fixed their locker room problems, and maybe Alan Bowman learned how to quarterback better. Well, I, no, you know, I don't no. know. You went too far there, Fitz. You went too <laughs> far. I, I will say this, like, for anybody out there that's kind of thinking, well, like, this is way off course for Oklahoma State, I think if you went back and looked at history, I mean, it, it proves that the Cowboys have been in this predicament with Mike Gundy before, and it usually has fixed itself. In 2014, they were seven and six. They had J.W. Walsh at quarterback, so things weren't great there. Mark, Mike Yurchich was in his second season. Again, kind of a similar thing to what they're going through on defense with Brian Nardo. Uh, Gundy hired him from a D2 school, and he's gone on. He's now at Penn State. He's been at Ohio State, but that was year two for him. So the offense was still getting going. They had a true freshman by the name of Mason Rudolph that they just hadn't turned the ball over to yet. 2018, seven and six. Fitz, their quarterback was a guy named Taylor Cornelius. I don't even remember, I remember. Taylor Cornelius. Who was that? <laughs> but that was Jim Knowles' first season as defensive coordinator, so there were some hiccups there. True freshman quarterback, Spencer Sanders. And then last year they were seven and six with Derek Mason, first year as a defensive coordinator. So they 
they struggle with kind of the turnover at times, and they struggle when they don't have a quarterback to lead Mike Gundy's offense. Um, but, you know, like you said, they're, they're set up where, again, if you go by trends and history, Gundy is 13-3 and three coming off a of bye since 2009. They're really good at self-scouting. Um, this has all the makings for them to rebound, but also a lot of pressure on this team, Fitz, because like you said, I, I think they know this is a must-win. And I don't know if Brian Hanley talked about this on the show earlier, but I almost feel like we'll learn a lot more about Oklahoma State in this game, win or lose, than you'll figure about K-State, win or lose. I really think that. I, I think there's more riding on this game for Oklahoma State. Don't get me wrong. K-State wants to win this. They need to All win right. it. Yeah. But there seems to be a lot more at play here for the Cowboys than the Wildcats. I, I would agree. They've, they've got a lot of things to fix. I don't know if you can fix them all. And one of the things that the fans are griping about is the play calling of Casey Dunn. Um, look, I, yeah. I, I, I gotta say this. I, I'm, I haven't dug into Oklahoma state enough to watch every play and every sequence and you know get that, but the fans always just want you to call the plays that work. And when the plays don't work, sure. it had to be the play call, not the execution, not the talent, not the other side of the ball doing something really well. Um, and but they're just they don't seem to have a character on offense. They don't have the ability to turn around and hand it to a a, a Barry Sanders. That makes life a lot easier. Um, they don't have a, a quarterback that's a big playmaker. They don't have receivers that just go up and get bad passes. They just don't have an identity on the offensive side of the ball. They're definitely not as dynamic as uh, I think outsiders or even Oklahoma State fans. Um, have gotten used to, you know, there isn't a Justin Blackman, like you said, there's no mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill on this team. Um, you know, Joseph Randall, the list goes on and on, but it fits to me. And I, I, I actually do agree to some extent with the Casey Dunn stuff. Cause I know, um, you know, it seems like the coordinators before him were able to, um, it was just a little bit more explosive and they have had some playmakers under Casey Dunn's time as play caller and it still just hasn't amounted to anything. But specifically with this team, Fitz, it comes back to the quarterback play. Everything comes back to Alan Bowman for me. Um, and you look at uh, their EPA per pass and their EPA per rush. They're a very capable rushing team. They're just not a very capable passing team. And again, that to me, part of it might come to pass protection. Their line hasn't been great. Birmingham at tackle is a guy that I think K-State could exploit a little bit on Friday night. But at the end of the day, Alan Bowman's throwing the ball all over the place. And I, like I said, they, he's got some capable playmakers at receiver. They've got a good running back. Uh, like I said, their EPA per pass or per pass is 116th. Their EPA per rush is 25th. And their offensive success rate is 107th. To me, it all comes down to they, they're not threatening anybody with the pass. And Alan Bowman is to blame and I, I can't figure out, Fitz, why Mike Gundy continues to go with him, right? Because you look at QBR, for reference, Will Howard, 25th in FPS, FBS, his QBR is 76.3. Alan Bowman right now has a QBR of 33.6, 112th in FBS. His raw QB score fits, which is just completely unadjusted, not getting too deep into who the opponents are and schemes. It's just zero to a hundred score. It's raw. He is at 40.1. Th this is an offense right now. That's operating at like Iowa level at like, like Northwestern has more potency right now than Oklahoma state. 
And to me, again, as you see in the stats, it's not in the run game. They're, they're, they can run the ball when they want to run the ball. They cannot throw the ball. And to me, it all comes down to Alan Bowman. And this was a head scratcher for me, Fitz, from the get-go out of the portal. I think Gundy thought, well, the schemes are somewhat similar to what he did at, at Texas Tech. It's not quite pure air raid like Lincoln Riley or Mike Leach, but what we do, you know, we want to get the ball out and get it to our playmakers. That's kind of what Bowman did with some success at Texas Tech. His last two years at Texas Tech were garbage. Didn't play at Michigan for two years. Now he gets thrown in here. He's really rusty, um, and he's just not a very good quarterback. And yet, for whatever reason, Fitz, maybe it's because Gundy is kind of from the old guard. You know, we we kind of we still think of him as this kind of the new hotness and this young thinker. He's the old guard now. Maybe he's kind of stubborn in his ways in a sense of what we saw with Bill Snyder, well, where it's, you know, well, Allen knows the playbook or Allen's the the veteran. You know, we, we need to lean on him and give him time. To me, go with Garrett Rangel, who's the, the freshman, go, a redshirt freshman. Go with uh, the true freshman, Zane Flores, that was K-State's backup plan to Avery Johnson if that had fallen through. A, a really good quarterback that might need some time, but he'll offer a lot more than Alan Bowman fits. Yeah, I I don't get it. I and I agree. I talked a lot about this with Brian Hanley. I think he's just the grumpy old man now, and he's not adjusting to current college football, which has evolved incredibly over the last three years or so. Transfer portal, yeah, yeah portal, the NIL, all of it. Um, and not only is he not really paying attention to those things, he's kind of grumpy about it. And yeah. and when the players here their head coach being grumpy about the NIL, they take it personally because that's their money that he doesn't want them to have. So I can see why he's having problems, but I, I feel like the solution to some of these problems is just decide, okay, running backs, offensive line, we got to do this. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to turn into a power run team right now, but Wally, Doing it against Kansas State is the worst time to try to do that. This is a really good run defense that isn't even as good as or is better than what their stats show. I, I did some math earlier in the week. So the last three games, after giving up six yards rushing to SEMO, they've had one big run against uh, Troy, Missouri, and UCF. One big run. And if you remove those three runs, Kansas State's rush defense is giving up 1.3 yards per carry. So if they eliminate the home run ball, the you know the explosive play, this run defense is as good as Kansas State's ever had. So it's not the team to go try yeah. to be a running yeah. team, but I if you're Oklahoma State, you got to do something. And I would try to start establishing that. And you're right, just go with the young quarterback. If you're going to suck, suck with someone who can learn some lessons. Will Howard in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they didn't have any other choices, but look at him now compared to what he went through. If Casey Dunn and and Gundy are smart uh, on Friday night, I think they'll try to exploit the linebackers, right? They know that Daniel Green's not not playing. They know they've got Ollie Gordon and and Jaden Nixon who are uh, dynamic out of the backfield in more ways than one, specifically Nixon. I think they'll try and mismatch him on a linebacker or two, and maybe that's how they get the passing game going and open some things up. That's how what I would do. Because like you said, Fitz, for everything that I think uh, this K-State defensive line and we'll just call it the front seven lacks in terms of kind of a pure pass rusher like we saw with 
Felix Sanudike or even going back to like a Wyatt Hubert, Jordan Willis, the, the, the single dynamic edge rusher. We think Khalid Duke can, or yeah. Khalid Duke can be that, but you know, hasn't shown it consistently. They're a really good front in terms of stopping the run. They really are. So uh, not the greatest time to do that if you're Oklahoma state, but I, I do think we'll see, you know, if, if Oklahoma state is smart, them try to, open the ground game up by getting some of those running backs involved in the passing game. Okay. Turning it over to K-State's offense against this Oklahoma State defense. Kansas State ran the ball. DJ Giddens ran the ball at will against UCF. (laughs) Um, And that kind of opened up everything else in this offense as they were pretty good in that second half. Treshawn Ward's back. He'll be sharing the duties with DJ Giddens, but do they stick with that run game against Oklahoma State? Well, it'll be tough because I think much like we, I was talking about with Oklahoma State's offenses, you know, they're good in one area and bad in another. It's kind of the same right now on the defensive side. You know, I mentioned Brian Nardo coming over. He, he cut his teeth at Emporia State, Fitz, but he was actually hired from a D- D2 uh, school out in Pennsylvania, Gannon University. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, he, he's, I think, a colleague of Joe Bob Clements that they Joe Bob really thought highly of, passed him along to Gundy. The rest is history. But as we saw at K-State, implementing that three-three-five takes time. And I just don't think that they've gotten the hang of it, especially, like I said, at the top with a, an inexperienced, young, capable, but young secondary. Uh, but they're a tale of two defenses. They're really good against the rush. They're 26th EPA against the rush. Their EPA against the pass is 106th. Um, they, they haven't created a lot of turnovers, Fitz, and um, – uh, they're like at a negative three turnover margin right now, which is second worst in the Big 12, only to UCF. They've only created two, which is the lowest total they've had to this point in a season since 2013. Um, so that's been a problem for them. But, um, you know, I, this is going to be an interesting question that I wonder if Chris Kleiman and his staff and Colin Klein will have to feel out as they go on Friday of riding the hot hand with DJ Giddens against, again, I think a, a front seven that's pretty good against the run. The linebackers, they're not great tacklers. They're not sure tacklers, but they know where they're supposed to be. They're, they're assignment sound in their fits. Or do they go with a Treshawn Ward that maybe adds a little bit more of a wrinkle in the passing game right. um, to open that up? It, it might be kind of a, um, again, kind of ride it out and see how the game flows. Chris Kleiman's really good about um... – making sure his playmakers are getting the proper touches. Mm-hmm. He's got a great playmaker all of a sudden in DJ Giddens. We saw that. Uh, we'll find out if he can persist or if that was just a matchup with a poor tackling UCF defense or if this is something we're going to see moving forward. But Treshawn Ward's kind of an X factor. We haven't seen his full upside yet. He's elusive. He's fast. He can catch the ball. I'm wondering if they don't start using more two-back sets because mm-hmm. then they can split one of them wide uh, and turn him into a receiver. And honestly, uh, they could use a little more threat at receiver. Uh, I think we both recognize that. Uh, they're leaning heavily on their running backs and Ben Sinn at the tight end, the H-back technically, to <laughs> to uh, get the receiving yardage that they need to get this offense going. But I can see K-State going to a two-back set a little bit with these two guys. They're both dynamic in their own ways. Well, and you brought up something that uh, our own K-Net on the boards uh, yeah. kind of brought up a question earlier in the week that I commented on as well. And, and it's a really good question of, you know, and, and I think it depends on how you're looking at K-State. Are you thinking right now the success of 2023 or are you thinking about the overall program and thinking long-term? Because I think right now K-State's at their best with two backs 
and fits maybe even like two tight end sets. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting Garrett Oakley back healthy, he's a really good weapon uh, as a pass catcher. That's what he came to K-State known as, and they were going to fine-tune the blocking. He can be another Ben Sennett as a receiver. And so far, Fitz, as you mentioned, this receiving set you know, hasn't been great. It's mainly been Ben Sennett. Jaden Jackson's had some sparks there. He's probably been the most consistent guy. Phillip Brooks has had a game where he's flashed. RJ Garcia's had a game where he's flashed. We're still waiting on Keegan Johnson. Right now, they're at their best at two backs, maybe even two tight ends. But if you look long-term, that's not what Colin Klein wants to be, and that's not what's going to attract and develop young receivers. So they kind of have to continue going with a balanced approach. But, yeah, again, I mean, if you're looking at this in a single game, you know, under a microscope, maybe K-State just goes with a heavy set uses their tight ends as receivers and their tailbacks as receivers and just kind of uses the UCF mold and says, stop the run. Mm -hmm. One more thought here. I did my daily delivery on uh, Wednesday about my concern that they may not have a a special teams touchdown off a kick or punt return this season for the first time since 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I, it's only four games and I get that it's only third in, but they're showing no threat of having a return. They have something go wrong every time or multiple things between bad blocking, penalties, bad angles by returners. It's just been a fiasco. This used to be an area of the field where K-State would dominate or at least play even. That's not true. Is special teams any reason for concern in this game against Oklahoma State? Uh, A little bit, um, and I would actually – give the nod to, to Oklahoma state and special teams, Alex Hale, their uh, specialist is 10 for 10 on extra points, six for seven on field goals, mm. including two for two on field goals of 50 plus so far this season. I think one of those was at Arizona state. So a little bit thinner air, but still, I mean, he, he's been reliable and Presley as a returner is dangerous too. That's uh, not a guy that you really want to mess with, even though he hasn't been unleashed this year in terms of the return touchdowns. I'm not, all that worried about it. I get K-State. What did, what did we come up with on the podcast or you come up with Fitz 18 straight seasons that they've had yeah, a touchdown. So, I mean, um, K-State fans have been spoiled and I get that for a team like K-State, that's not an Alabama or a Georgia that can't just come out on offense and defense week to week and overpower the opponent. You kind of have to have that extra element, right? I get the value of getting a return score or doing something dynamic on special teams, but uh, I'm also equally as concerned with, besides just the, the kicking game in general, uh, being uh, north of 100 in both kick return and punt return defense. Uh, I, you know, I'm concerned that they haven't blocked a kick or a punt yet. Um, you know, I'm concerned that their average yardage on the returns is like north of 50 on both punt and kick returns. And, I, you know, some of that is teams uh, evading and avoiding, I, I guess, Philip Brooks it's a respect to him. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, this would be a great game to have it because again, history is always points to Stillwater, Stillwater being a challenging venue for K-State and these two teams going down to the wire year after year when they, these two teams match up on Oklahoma soil. Uh, I, I went through the stats fits the average margin of victory, regardless of who comes out on top in the years that going back to like when Bill Snyder took over in 89, Seven points when these two teams play in Stillwater. So, yeah, Fitz, uh, I, I'm downplaying it being like a long-term issue for K-State in terms of getting a special team score. 
But golly, it would be nice to get one on Friday night in a game that, you know, could be narrow. A lot of different things in this game. Friday night, night game, uh, off weeks. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of factors off the field that are playing into this. Ryan Wallace, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let's hope for a win, K-State. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it, you look, you got four I just weeks don't know. here. You got four weeks here where you just got to pick them off and you lead into Texas. You can't get distracted. You got to go to Oklahoma State and tech and win, and you got to come home and beat TCU and and uh, Houston and just yeah. take care of business. Got to get into business mode. It's a it's a business trip for these Wildcats. Go take care of business. We will find out who self-scouted better fits on that's, Friday night. That's the truth. That's the absolute truth. That's it for this segment of the Pyrocat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. We'll dig into the sports betting lines with Ryan Gilbert. Got a lot of Ryans on the staff right after this break. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pregame Podcast. Two segments down, we have Ryan Gilbert sitting right there looking happy, pleased to be with us. I'm so happy to have him. And of course, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, fans, SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, proud sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And of course, Mr. Gilbert helps us out every week with understanding some of the things going on with the gambling side of college football, particularly Kansas State and the Big 12. But we snuck one other game of interest in here so he can miss that one too. Gills, how are you doing, man? You I'm good? good, Fitz. How are you doing? I'm 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 happy. I'm actually uh, happy I'm really busy this week so that we get the game out of the way on Friday night and I can watch college football all day Saturday. There you go. That's, That's two all, Saturdays in a row. It's all about me. Exactly. Let's get going here. And we got to start with the biggest one, uh, according to all the pundits in the Big 12. Maybe it is this year, actually. Texas minus six and a half versus Oklahoma down there in the Red River rivalry um, at an old football stadium called the Cotton Bowl. Um, where they have a giant Texas guy statue. Do you think it's weird that Oklahoma plays at the Texas State Fair every year? Like, they're part of Texas. Right. It's weird. It's, that river just might as well dissolve, and they right. can be one state, right? They, when Texas breaks away, Oklahoma will just be a state within the Republic of Texas. That's my political go. stance on that. What do you think? I think Texas wins this big, but uh, I think that only comes from a, not really understanding what Oklahoma is so far this year. They've They've played five games, and look, they've had an easy schedule. It's just been easier than anything. Does Texas run away with this like they did last year, or does Oklahoma make this more competitive? I don't know if you'll see what what happened last year. That was a total blowout. That was on the level of K-State, Oklahoma State from last year. But uh, Oklahoma, like you mentioned, has had a very easy schedule. They have covered in every game this year. They're covering by an average of 14 points a game. While that's a very impressive stat, I really do think that that's just sort of a a product of sort of an easy schedule for the Sooners. And so this will be their first true test of the season. Um, Texas's defense is going to give uh, Oklahoma's offense some struggles, I think. And so to cover seven points is is pretty doable for Texas. And you look at the over-under, it's up, uh, I think it's like 60, 60 and a half. And so there's going to be points scored in this game. So covering by one touchdown shouldn't be too hard to 
to do for Texas. They've got just so much talent. I understand this Oklahoma team's been good for betters this year, but against a different sort of tier of competition, I think it's yeah. going to be tough to to cover against Texas. Yeah, look, they they lost the game against Georgia on the schedule with the move to the SEC. They they didn't want the return game clogging up the SEC schedule, so they ended up with no power fives on their non-con. Then they play what Cincinnati and Iowa State. Come on, man. I mean, yeah. look, this is yeah. yeah. We'll find out a lot more about them Saturday in Dallas. KU minus two against UCF. I'm intrigued by this line. Um, after UCF blows that lead, um, somehow it took an effort uh, at home to lose to Baylor. They're 0-2 in the conference, but UCF's talented. They've got something, but what they don't have is an ability to tackle. Um, and K-State and Baylor have run right through them. I expect Devin Neal and company at Kansas to do the same. Whether Jalen Daniels plays or not, I think KU's running game will just chew up this UCF defense. Sure, and I recall listening to this podcast with Wally, his segment just talking about how UCF wants to hit those home runs on defense and you know force the big plays, the turnovers and stuff like that, which is great when you get them, but not necessarily a team that's built to just – go up and 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 beat you uh, up front so i like kansas in this game um ucf's loss last week was just that's got to be demoralizing and that's back-to-back losses now and you're coming back to kansas i mean this is a tough stretch for ucf um and and of course kansas is coming off a, a loss as well but that's their first loss of the season right this one you didn't have your starting quarterback if you're Kansas. Jalen Daniels hopefully is back, and if he does play, seems like they get back on back on schedule for the season. I, I think UCF's really going to be down in the dumps after blowing what a 28 point lead at home. Five, yeah. I think both teams are coming off of a loss, but two very different losses. Kansas should get back in the win column here in Lawrence. Next up is the team that won at UCF last week, Baylor, coming home to play Tex. Surely they're going to be a big favorite after that nice road win. No, Tex a one-point favorite on the road. I don't know what to think of this game. I really don't. I don't understand what Baylor's about. I don't understand what Tech's about. Maybe we'll have a better understanding after this game. I hope so, because Kansas State goes to Tech next week. What are your thoughts on this one? I don't know. It's a, it's an yeah. interesting game to look at. Texas Tech's going to be rolling out with a backup quarterback, and so – we just talked about UCF blowing that lead. Very impressive for Baylor to come back and and win that game. But you also got to remember that was a team that was down by like four touchdowns. And so I would stay away from this one. I don't have a good feel. Um, e- either either team could run away with it. But I would lean Baylor just because of the certainty at the quarterback position that the Red Raiders don't have. Yeah. Okay, let's step out of the conference. There's only five conference games this weekend, including K-State and Oklahoma State on Friday night. We will get to that after this one. But this game has some impact on Kansas State because now, um, sorry, K-Staters, you are tied to Mizzou's success. It's either going to be a bad loss or a good loss, if you want to say it that way. LSU's rolling into Columbia as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The the Tigers of Baton Rouge are three-and-two on the season. Mizzou is undefeated. And yet LSU is the favorite on the road. I don't buy it. I don't. I they they might lose, but I think I would bet Mizzou on this spread. Me too. And, and this is a nice case of the preseason power ratings that yeah. the Vegas odds makers come up with. And 
I don't know if they're adjusting to the on-field performances that we've seen from both teams, especially Missouri. I know that maybe Missouri was a little lucky to beat Kansas State, had some few things go their way. K-State really shot itself in the foot that game, but still a good Missouri team. They're playing well. Um, I, I like the home team here. I think Missouri gets it done. Yeah, I'm a... Uh... I'm baffled by this, but Kansas State now needs Missouri to have a really good season. So that loss, you know, kind of looks better because K-State was hammered for losing at Missouri on the last second field goal. I still can't figure it out. I'm going to keep complaining about it because I'm now the old man yelling at the clouds. <laughs> the clouds never answer. Kansas You're not old. State, Come on. Uh, I'm, I'm elderly. I am. I'm 97 years old. I just wear a lot of makeup uh kansas state a 12 and a half point excuse me 12 point by what we're picking here favorite at oklahoma state on the road i think k-state wins this not as big as last year 48 to nothing was to, it was that was one of those days that everything went right for one team and the other team fell apart i don't think oklahoma state's very good but i do think k-state will win by at least 13 points to be transparent i hope everyone knows that i'm over on yeah, predicting the spreads for Kansas State. So whatever expert. I say here, fade me. Is do the opposite. But this game seems to be more about Kansas State and what it can or can't do. Yeah, I agree. We, we know what's going on with Oklahoma State, the quarterback situation. Al, Alan Bowman is now the starter, but he he wasn't a, a surefire starter coming into the season. And it, that kind of tells you all I need to know, right? Mike Gundy's kind of lost his locker room. Fitz, you've outlined it a ton. Uh, so K-State's in a better spot right now. I think they have the better team, all of that stuff. Can Kansas State get it done coming off of the bye week? And I was doing a little bit of research here. Chris Kleiman coming off of a bye week at Kansas State is 3-4 and four in his career. You look back to last year, um, Kansas State had the road loss to TCU. Maybe that's one that you can just write off because of the injuries at quarterback, and that was just a really chippy game. And Maybe you can give them a pass for that. You go back to the year before, though, a home loss to Iowa State coming off of the bye week in 2021. And you remember, Fitz, that game, Iowa State, the first play from scrimmage was a 75-yard touchdown run from Brees Hall. And so and so, um, is that a trend? Is that something fluky? Who knows? Um, but you go back to 2020, there were three idle weeks because of the pandemic. And then you go back to 2019, there were two off weeks, which was weird. I don't know why that was a thing. Um, but – they went one and one in that we in that year. So three and four altogether for Chris Kleiman. That's weird. Coming off of a bye. And now if something happens here in Stillwater where K-State does get upset, maybe maybe Chris Kleiman's got some issues with knocking off the rust from a week off and, and getting his guys ready. I would go back and look at North Dakota State, but I don't know if he even lost a single game there. So it's not going to matter yeah. if he's coming off of a bye week or not. But I digress. I mean, that's just one thing that maybe concerns me a little bit with Kansas State, but I just can't put money on Oklahoma State right now the way that that team is playing. Mike Gundy's a great coach, but this year he has not been a, a great coach at all. And so could he turn this program, could he turn that program around? Sure, but just with Kansas State, the, the state of where everything is in Manhattan compared to Stillwater, I've got to go with Kansas State here oh, to cover the spread. So I'm sorry to say that because that means Oklahoma State's covering. Sorry. Yeah, we we need you to – I'm uh, look, I'll stop recording right now. Um, but I'm not. Uh, we need you to be better at your job. Okay, Ryan? I, this is now turned into a like a workplace intervention. We need you to get these games right. I don't mean to heap pressure on you, but do I tried better. to pick K-State at Missouri. 
and see yeah. what you caused right it's my fault so I'm not but with. look it's worse than that you didn't only cause the defeat of the kansas state wildcats now i gotta pick missouri every week when they play a big game because of what happened because of yep. your pick it's that's what you called the butterfly effect y- yes that's the but butterfly effect true very yes we're gonna end this segment now that is ryan gilbert he is actually very good at gambling just not college football per se or kansas state at all thank you ryan gilbert so much uh i forgot to pick tcu at iowa state tcu's a six and a half point favorite we didn't miss much in talking about that game i will take TCU. I don't know what Ryan Gilbert would take. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Power Cap Pregame Podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, but not before I give you my one final thing. What should you watch for in this contest? And for me, it will be can Kansas State come out of the gate and dominate in the first half and open up a lead that might just send Oklahoma State uh, packing, uh, so to speak. Can K-State get away early and force Oklahoma state to probably try to play catch up and make more mistakes and watch it snowball. Or do they let Oklahoma state stick around going into halftime and in all likelihood, they will get the ball to start the second half because this K state team likes to take the ball to start the game. And if so, how will that play out in the rest of the second half? The first half, the first beginning of this game, a couple drives is huge for Kansas state. Will they get into the end zone and open up an early lead. It's Kansas State at Oklahoma State Friday night at 6.30 p.m. It'll be on ESPN, so you should have no problems finding it. Uh, I will be back here in the studio doing my post-game walk and talk, probably in the corner with the lava lamps. We've got the coverage from Zach Carlson and Cole Carmody from our team from Stillwater, and I appreciate you listening to this podcast. And it's going to be a while before we can actually do this, but remember... I'll see you at the bill. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.